Thank you, everyone, for the beautiful music today. That is a wonderful part of worship, and, and you brought a few people with you today. That's even better on this Sunday as well to be out here. Jonathan's not with us today because the confirmands are making their last trip to a, another church, and uh, they're going to the Pentecostal church today. Can you get a flavor of that uh, form of worship in the, in the, in the uh, Christian church? And they're learning and we're glad there's only about a month away and they'll be through with confirmation and we'll celebrate them in the sanctuary. I've been sharing with you about fears and sometimes <clears throat> that's really a hard thing to do as a positive topic because you leave people feeling, you start feeling uneasy and you, you want to feel better all the way through it. And tell you the truth, some of you may not even thought about some of the fears and you say, why did you ask me about that? But you know, sometimes the cures are as much a caution for us the other day I was uh, thinking about how when you need help and you go to the doctor and they give you a prescription, and I, I did that. Uh, I had a problem with just one toenail on my foot. It's one place, a fungus kind of thing. That's gross, you know, but anyway. But I went to the doctor and said, what do I do about it? He said, well, here's a prescription. So I'm being a good, thoughtful person. I went and looked up to see what this thing had to do for you if you took it. You know, what side effects might be. Now, one toenail needed some help. This is what might happen. If I take that medicine for one toenail, you may get anxiety, bursitis, diarrhea, fatigue, fever, gas, headaches, high blood pressure, indigestion, injury, muscle pain, nasal and sinus inflammation, nausea, pain, rash, respiratory infection, swelling due to water retention, urination infection, and vomiting. And if you take it in pill form, you add to that. Back pain, blood and urine, breathing difficulty, chest pain, coughing, dehydration, difficulty swallowing, hemorrhoids, <laughs> hot flashes, <clears throat> impaired speech, inflamed mouth, insomnia, pneumonia, shivering, sweating, vision problems, and weight loss. I went back three times with that prescription, unwilling to fill it. I said, doctor, have you read that? Do you know what that could do to somebody? You know what he finally told me and it made me do it? He said, well, I give it to my wife and it worked on her. <laughs> so I finally did. I took it and none of what was on that sheet happened. Okay, it helped. But it's something about the possibility. We're not real sure we want the cure. If that's the way you got to head through it. There are difficult times that God's people, beginning with the Israelites, I found life to have troubles that God could use to bring them back to him. The cure may not always meet what we're looking for, but God has a wonderful way of loving us back to him. It is his response to sin in our world. After all, when you think about our fears, it's rooted very much into our lifestyle, not only individually, but together in our world and its effects. The first big struggle, one that the whole community of Israel had that God allowed to happen to them was the conquest of the, uh, the first temple, the one that Solomon built. That temple was built back about 950 years B.C. It only stayed in place about 383 years, it said. And that's, it seems like a long time to us, but in history, that's not long. And uh, it was conquered and dismantled. When Jesus talks about the temple, it's the second one. Herod the Great had built it. It had been completed 10 years before his, um, he was uh, born and only lasted to 70 A.D. before the Romans took it apart because of their, the Jewish revolt against the Romans. But in both of those temple falling, it was devastating the people of Israel. 
The fact is, when Solomon's temple was conquered, they, the people literally backed up as the enemy was coming. They believed that God would never, ever allow the temple to fall into the hands of, of the Gentiles. And so they thought, okay, he'll take the outside of the city. He may take the inside of the city. He'll never take the temple. And of course, they did. Not because the enemy was so strong that God could not hold them off. But God let them know it's because of your sin I've allowed this to happen. I'm trying to bring you back to me. The remedy, the cure may not seem to fit the need, uh, the remedy for you, but it is what happens if you pay attention. Out of that, God, over generations, began to bring back to him a faithful people, but it was not easy. And nor has it always been easy for us as Christians. We're called to a birth pangs, he would say, of the kingdom of God coming into us. In 1 Corinthians 6, a couple of verses said this, shun immorality, uh, sexual loose, looseness, and many other sin which a man commits outside the body, but he who builds immoral sins inside the body, do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? The spirit who lives within you, whom you've received as a gift from God, you are not your own. You are bought with a price, purchased with a preciousness paid for and made his own. But then honor God and bring glory to him through your body. He's saying to us, there's a need for the cure. There's a kingdom I'm trying to bring in. And over against a world where you fear catastrophic things happening, know that I have a plan for you. In and through all of those things, if you pay attention to what I'm saying, it just isn't easy. I, along the way, in my years of hiking, uh, helped Boy Scouts to get their merit badges. And I've taken groups out hiking. When I was in Columbus, uh, Pine Mountain is about 35 miles from there. And this is, I took a group of boys up for the 23-mile hike. This is what I told them when they went to get on the bus. I said, before we ever left the parking lot, when you get on this bus today and you leave the parking lot, you're committed to walking the 23 miles of the Pine Mountain Trail. Most of them have never walked more than two or three at a time. There will be no quitting, no turning back. There is no out. We have no special place for you to go. There's no adult who will hold your hand while you wait for everyone else to finish the walk. You will walk the 23 miles. You will not walk it alone. You will not be left behind. You will carry your own pack and you'll have fun. You will enjoy the journey. Not just the rest at the end. I believe God is often giving us instructions about what might seem unpleasant. And in that, if we pay attention, he is there not only at the end of the walk, but through the middle of it. Things seem to get worse. And they do at times. But you know, if you're trying to get a barometer on the world's events and you turn on your uh, news at night or open up the newspaper, which are informative, if you were to calculate it, I'm told, 69 to 70% of all the news you're going to get will be negative. Now, I don't necessarily think that's proportional to life. That's just what makes it into headlines. People will buy papers or listen to the news for that kind of information, not all of the good stuff. And so you're going to hear more. But there are also other things that may be on your list. I hope this doesn't get worse kind of list. 
like our economy. We're thankful for some signs of recovery, but there are a lot of folks who would say, hadn't reached my neighborhood yet. It's not where I'm at yet. It could be our health or the health of a loved one that we're afraid of it getting worse. Or we think again about how terrorism in the world keeps taking on new kind of branches and we wonder and worry perhaps about it. Or maybe we're wondering or worrying about natural disasters that come across our country and around the world, storms and unusual places and earthquakes and things like that. And we wonder, how is God going to use us? How can he make use of us in a time like that if the world seems only to get worse? You ever remember reading a story about Chicken Little? I'm not going to read you the whole story, but by this story, Chicken Little had already shared with most of her friends about the skies falling. Remember that? It's fall on me. I piece hit on my head. I'm going to tell the king. The last person that Chicken Little, along with a group of friends, to go and tells is Foxy Loxy. Do you remember that part of the story? No. Foxy Loxy. So Chicken Little says... Uh, told him that the, uh, the sky is falling, and Foxy Lachie says, I see, well, follow me, and I'll show you to the way to the king. So Foxy Lachie led Chicken Little and the whole list of others across the field and through the woods. He led them straight to his den, and they never saw the king to tell him the sky was falling. You know why, don't you? Because Foxy Lachie had him where he wanted them. Fear can drive us in all kinds of ways, and make us so afraid, and it can change our lives, or maybe even bring an end. Spoke with our daughter, Amy, yesterday, and she called us to tell us about a friend that she had, a young girl, 24 years old, who had taken her own life just recently, this week. A young girl who had recently lost her boyfriend, recently failed out of pharmacy school, back living at home with the parents, not near the friends she'd come to know for a while, and in that despondency, did not turn to others for help, but felt the weight so heavy that she took her own life. A sadness was on my daughter's voice. How did that happen? We can feel that at times around us. People that feel the weight of struggles and wonder, where, how can things be better? Why can't they be better now? What can we do? How can we make things better? Not just about our personal needs for the moment, but about our faith. How can that help us in a time like this? Jesus tells us to not let our love grow cold. He said spiritual stowaways will at some point jump the ship. Half-hearted will become cold-hearted. A great many church attendees will disclose they're only pretenders. They'll only leave the faith instead of letting it guide them in what they want. Birth pangs, ladies, you know this, are difficult necessity leading to life. And in some ways, the anguish we have today is God's way of getting our attention, letting us know that he has a plan, a desire, and he's bending us toward it if we'll let him. He's trying to guide us in every way, but often it's not easy to take that on. But he also tells us to be a people of hope, that there's something good to be found. There'll be others who will tell us different. He said there'll be false prophets that come along warning us, trying to get us to follow them in their own way. That's going to happen. 
There are always people who would teach us the wrong things, and we call those heresies within the church. When I was in seminary, I remember taking classes in that and wondering why you would study all the wrong doctrines that people along the way have uh, somewhere gathered up and led people off in strange directions. And the end of that course, the guy says, we're teaching you this because every one of them is still alive and well today. You need to know what the truth of Christ is, how we're going or should live it. It'll make a difference in our life. He's the one who would watch over us. He said the true test in knowing whether we hear the truth is, does it teach us who Christ is? If it does not teach us that he is the way, then it is a lie. He's the one to whom we're called to listen. Is Christ directing Are we directed to him and what we hear? We're always to endure to the end. Because at the end we'll find there is a good work that we'll be saved. He has for us to do. We're to trust in the kind of victory he gives to us. And the courage we'd have to lead it. I remember sitting in a campus crusade for Christ uh, gathering in Macon back when I was in high school age. And I'd been in church most of my life. Enjoyed being in church. But it was one of those times of kind of revival among young people and uh, the theme of that group at the time was that the end of time is near and I mean they painted that picture so vividly I wondered why I was even attending school anymore it wasn't going to be before I was out of high school Jesus is going to be back I mean I didn't know why I had to finish the 11th grade I didn't know why but I had to anyway my mom and dad made me I kept going on you know and got through the 12th grade Jesus still hadn't come wonder if I could get married well did that too because you have children. Well, got those now. All those keep going because we don't really know the time. We only know that God is giving us. He's delaying. He's allowing it to go on because he wants more people to know what his love is like. In a world full of struggles, I don't have to pick out one list to give it to you and say, those are the ones he cares about. The truth is he cares about all of us. There's a way that we can learn from him. There are great things ahead for every one of us who follow Jesus, even if we're going through some of the biggest struggles in life. If we look at the world and think, how can it ever get better? We know, first of all, that we're being made more and more into his image. And the longer we live as followers of Christ, that is the goal toward which we live. That is the gift of his spirit he wants of us. The more we allow that to happen, the more we give ourselves to him, the better it goes. And after this life is over, we know that there is an eternity ahead in his presence. And that's a wonderful thing to look forward to. Not to rush into at the right time. He wants to give that to us then we're, when we'll have it. John Wesley's final words in this life, and he said them twice, by the way. I guess it, he just lingered a little longer, repeated his words, were, The best of all... God is with us. In this life, we know that God is one who is always with us. Be prepared to give an account of the hope that is within you. That is, when you're you're facing things that are trials, what do you do? We had in the paper this morning from uh, about an event in Pakistan. Maybe you caught the articles that uh, there was a disagreement between a, a Christian and a a person of the other faith there, and out of that, the Christian was confused of, was uh, accused of blaspheming, 
and, and the uh, riots came, the Christians fled, and their homes were all ransacked because they simply were Christians, people who choose to follow the faith. And God loves them as much as he ever loves us. There's some other places in the world where to be able to sit like this is a rare privilege to do it free and open. We're thankful for believers around the world that we're able to live here at freedom, but we all share in the freedom in Christ. He makes us whole, that he loves us that much. We believe that in the end it will all work out. Even if things get worse in the short time in front of us, we know that God is with us. This is a, a quote someone else said, and I liked it. It said, everything will work out in the end. If it doesn't work out, it's because it's not the end. In the end, God is going to do his thing. You and I may think, this is the end. No, it's just not the end yet. God has this plan for us, and he loves us and watches over us. We're called to be a fearless people in the front of all that life's going to have. We do that because God's love is that dear for us, and we give thanks to him. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we speak of fears at times, and at times they hold so much of our attention, claiming so much of our energy. We find, Lord, that you speak well to that. You call us to be a people of hope. In the middle of the trials and the struggles, sometimes our own sins are brought upon us. The confusion of our world is created. Nature itself seems to revolt and yet we're taught to have a peace that's from you. A hope that is about a future that is always in your hands. Guide us, Lord, as we worship you. Our hearts may be open to you who are the Prince of Peace. And may you watch over us here. In Christ we pray. Amen.